and we have a large portfolio of clients. So that means our clarity needs to be crisp. Otherwise, we introduce risk and danger into other components and other people in our system. So if we want to grow, we need to know that that inherently grows our risk too. And so we have to be a lot more clear and make sure we're not shooting with a blindfold on. Welcome to Agency Masters. I'm Rob Bailey, and this podcast is where I share the strategies, systems, and insights I've gained from selling my own agency and helping over 20,000 digital agencies grow and do the same. My hope is that the content here is valuable to you along your journey and that you share, review, and enjoy. Welcome to Agency Masters. I'm Rob Bailey, your caveman-like host. Um, And we've got a very special guest with us today. His name is Grant Eilerson. Grant, welcome to the show, dude. Thanks, bro. You're in the minority of people in the world that say my name right on the jump. So oh, <laughs> we're already off to a fantastic start. Look at that. See, in true caveman fashion, I typically get everything like that wrong. So um, yes, I'll take it. I'll take one W for that. Yeah, we all we all know it's it's complete BS. You're you're probably a little smarter than you might give yourself credit. <laughs> we'll see. I think it has a lot to do with some luck and uh, some pretty good people around me, uh, mostly. Yeah. But. Anyways, we're here to talk about you, not how smart or dumb I might be. Um, that's people will figure that out on their own. That's pretty straightforward there. Uh, but <laughs> I want to thank you for taking the time um, and just just maybe tell people a little bit about um, you know free life funding, which is what you're working on now, and then we'll talk about how you arrived there, the different businesses you tried, and how it might relate to agency owners. Um, I am a uh, just full disclosure, y'all. I'm a, a I'm both a fan and a customer of Grant's, and he's got a really cool, um, unique funding platform that um, has helped us get more people funding for um, for our, both our programs and also to introduce them on how to get funding so they can close more clients. So um, thanks for hanging out with us, man. And, and yeah, maybe you could just start by telling us a little bit about Free Life Funding and what, what you do there. Sure. Yeah, happy to. So at Free Life Funding, we provide direct to cons- or direct to merchant consumer financing options for dental, home improvement, and online coaching. And I know that might sound kind of crazy or boring, kind of is. But at the end of the day, what we do is we eliminate I can't afford it objections and payment collections, so that both customers and merchants, such as yourself, quite possibly, are able to have a much more seamless transaction process, close more sales, have happier customers and scale your business in an efficient way. So it took a long time to get here and um, you know, had a lot of fun along the way. So excited to, if possible, help other people prevent stepping on the many <laughs> multitude of mines that I did on the way here. Yeah, so I mean, let's just jump right into it if you're cool with that. Like what are some of the landmines that people, because I, I wasn't aware of them before I met you or actually, I became aware of them and then met you shortly after. So I feel grateful for that. But maybe explain those things, please, to people. Well, I mean, number one, don't uh, don't start a consumer financing business in 2021. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or you're going to be in for the, uh, the hardest, uh, biggest uphill battle ever. But, you know, it's been fantastically worth it for us in a lot of different ways, mainly just because I like a challenge. And... Um, you know, spent 10 years bouncing around in different sales, sales management, sales training, um, you know, opportunities with various different companies, some of my own, some that I did for other people. And, you know, when you spend enough time in anything, you inherently get, or at least I do, you get a little bit bored. 
right? Yeah. The repetitiveness of something over time makes you want to flail your arms. And one of the biggest issues in business is when we flail our arms and we break something simple that's working just for our own personal pleasure, right? Yeah. So the biggest minds, you know, I did that many different times. And had I not, I'd have a few easy, simple to run, profitable, passive streams, frankly, at this point that I don't, that we're learning lessons instead of additions to the portfolio, just because instead of keeping things simple, going for efficiency, I would just break them and do the next thing. So <laughs> I don't often give definitives, but I will, I will now don't do that. <laughs> don't do that thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the biggest problem I see in the agency space as well. Um, because that happens to every business owner period, right? Is we get, we either get bored, which is a real thing. You know, um, I think a lot of business owners and creatives have the urge to be creative and they have more opportunities than not than the opposite after you get rolling at least, right. Just get going, mm -hmm. get a little momentum. And then you have this thing where you always feel like, like you observe, other people or other opportunities without context and you feel like the grass is greener. Right. Mm -hmm. And that happens. That's, it's just human nature, but the people who are the best and most successful at this game of business, um, they do fewer things, not more, right? Like, um, like my mentor taught me this phrase, which is just closer over more. So if, in other words, if something's not getting you closer to what you want, um, then don't add more stuff right? Mm -hmm. More stuff is not always answered. In fact, it rarely is. Um, so I, th that's obviously fantastic advice. And again, like a lot of the business stuff is boring and that's a great piece of advice. Like focus will get you so freaking far in business. It doesn't really matter what you're working on. Um, you're going to get closer to what you want just by focusing on something. Um, but I think everybody's made that mistake to some degree at some point. Like you oh. almost have to, it's like a rite of passage in business. Feel like. Amen. Yeah. Amen. You know, it's funny if, if I could go on a, a, a rampage of a ramble real quick, yeah. we, share, we actually share the mentor um, that you referenced there. And one of the biggest things for me that changed dramatically how I actually look at business is just the multiplicative nature of complex systems, right? Where each component of a complex system inherently the reliability of each component being multiplicative in nature, the more components that we add that are less than 100% effective draws the total system throughput down. And so off, it's, it's just one of the biggest diseases I think we have as entrepreneurs is wanting to add something to get more out. It yes. logically even makes sense, but mathematically doesn't. And what we do now is frankly the most simple business that I've ever run. It's also the most successful. It's one that I have no plans of ever getting out of. We love it. Yeah. Um, but it's it's crazy how that works. And it brings me back to just human nature and how we process things, right? Because Tony espouses the core human beliefs or core human needs, right? Certainty, yeah. uncertainty, love, connection, variety, contribution, growth. Well, of those, one of the most common that we all share is the need for variety, Right. And even more than that, in the subset of entrepreneurs and business owners, the need for variety drives us immensely. Otherwise, we'd sit at the same high paying, you know, cubicle job and punch numbers every day, take a paycheck and it's fine. Yep. Well, because the variety drove us enough to get into it and create something great, we view it as a positive thing. But it ends up being our kryptonite when we seek the variety in the business 
instead of outside of it. And that was one of the biggest lessons that I had to learn that cost me a lot until I did. And now it's funny to look back and be like, ah, I see that, right? Is finding the satisfaction of our need for variety outside of the business to allow the business to just be stable and boring because boring is scalable and repeatable and you can actually outsource boring. (laughs) It's really hard to outsource fun, new innovation and creatives without you then ending up chained to the process forever. So absolutely. I just had to get that one off my chest. I know totally. Well, it's, it's like, once you realize that I, I said this, I think in a previous episode, but like, it feels like you're seeing the matrix after you like realize that. And again, I am stubborn, not that bright apparently. Cause I was just doing the hard way for way too long, like a decade almost. Right. Um, this close to quitting so many times, basically, I think that, uh, you know, a, a lot of people just look at what their neighbor's doing. Let's just say, let's just call it or their friends or their peers. And they go, Oh, it's a great idea to copy them without understanding the real reasons behind it. Right. That's why the context and like, um, you know, some of those underlying reasons like that, I call them false positives, right? Like you're observing something and going, oh, that person has X. And I think I know how they got there, exactly how they got there. Um, and so that might give you a false positive to then go try to copycat them. Right. Mm-hmm. And on the surface, it doesn't sound like there's anything wrong with that, really. It's like, yeah, I'm going to emulate someone who's already successful. But you have to be careful about the real the real reason why they got what you perceive to be the thing that you want, mm-hmm. right? So like a quick example is just like organic content, right? Like I, this is my first handful of episodes with this podcast were terrible, right? I got, I'm getting better quickly um, just from the reps of doing it. But it's easy to look at somebody who's got like crushing in a podcast and go, oh, that's easy. I can do that. I can just show up and, you know, bullshit and, you know, go live and like, you know, talk to cool people and you know, interview my heroes. That all sounds easy. It sounds like a dream job, but it actually takes like a ton of work and it takes a ton of consistency. And it usually takes like hundreds to thousands of reps before you start getting a return on it. Right. So it's very easy just to tell, like go, Oh, I could do what Joe Rogan does or whatever. Right. And so, you know, that's the human mind too, which is just going to like this place where it's like, I, I picture it being like this and I'm self prescribing what I think is the solution. Mm-hmm. And then it's like you and I were just talking about this before we flick the camera on, but in our society today, you can look up just about anything and get a confirmation bias of that false positive. Meaning if you think it's a way you can find an article, blog post video, someone saying, yep, you're right. And I'm telling you, you're right. Right. And then you're just like, I don't need anything else to go out there and just, you know, basically drive myself into the ground. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like you get all these signals. So it's very difficult to like discern what is, you know, what, what the truth and the, the, the underlying reasons of like really good business growth are. Mm-hmm. And so I, th- I think we're lucky, man, to have like mentors who kind of get the real, the way all this really works. For me, it's been immensely helpful because effort has never been the issue. Um, I've had my fair share of bad luck and good luck, which happens in business. But, um, you know, for me, it's like, I'm just hoping to like get a triple a home run, maybe two in my business career. And, and I'm probably out. 
you know, uh, so, uh, like when I sold my first agency, for example, excuse me, sold my second agency, my first agency was a total train wreck, seven figure agency, very low profit margins, lots of months in the red. So if we lost one client, we'd immediately be in the red, which was a terrible experience. That's rough. Uh, Yeah, super rough. And that's the average agency model, right? It's like do creative work. You got to be a one-stop shop. You got to be able to say yes to everything the client wants and needs. Like, you know, all this stuff, you become a glorified employee. Mm -hmm. Like you end up renting your hours basically to these clients. So it's very easy to get false positives about that. Yeah, you should keep doing that. Yeah, it's a great model, blah, 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 blah. It's a fucking terrible model. It's awful. It's like worse (laughs) than the restaurant industry. You know, it's like all these business you know, statisticians out there are like, hey, there's great margins at 10, 15%. It's like, that is a terrible idea. Like if one bad thing happens in any given month, you're in the red, that's not a great business model. I'm sorry. Like that's just like shit happens when you're a business, you know? And so so that's my little soapbox speech is is just, you know, there's many reasons. And the the one that you just described, complexity is a big one, right? Like if you take, let's just call it three systems, and you're like, okay, each of these systems is 99% um, effective, and you combine those three systems together, it's not 99% effective. It's 99% times 99% times 99%, which I'm pretty sure is 97%. See, that would require me pull out a calculator because when I explain this to people, (laughs) my little brain has to use two systems, 90% effective, multiplicative nature, we got 81% throughput. But what is, what is, well, let's just say, well, 99% is almost like unfathomable. Like software isn't even 99%. You're right. 97. Okay. Is it 97? Okay. So so that's best case scenario. So so now let's go with your scenario. Let's say you have three systems that are 90% effective. What's 90% times 90 times 90. That one's going to be, well, let's see. What is it? Rob, you're doing, you're trying to do mental math. You're going to make me look dumb, dude. No, I'm, I can't do it, dude. I'm so here's, here, let's, let's just illustrate this in super basic sense. We got one thing, right? 90% effective. If that's all that's going on, great. 90% yeah. reliability. Yeah. It means one out of 10 times, we're not going to get the outcome that we want. Now, if we add another component to that system that is also 90% effective, multiplicative nature draws that down to 81% effective. Now let's just say we add in an 95% effective component to what's currently 81% effective. 81% of the time we get what we want. The rest of that, we don't get what we want, right? Yes. Add 95% effective. It doesn't draw the average up, takes you down to 77%. And so if that's our system as it stands right now, what would make more sense? Adding a 99% effective additional component to try and increase our total throughput? No, because if we do that, that puts us now at 76%. Versus if we take out even just that 95% effective component, we're back up to 81. Now I know this probably sounds boring to most people thinking about this in terms of like, why are you just spitting out all these numbers? But when the concept actually lands and makes sense, it changes everything because not only are you then able to engineer a situation in which you get a hell of a lot more of what you want, but you also now have so much less of what you don't, which usually for many people is dealing with headache clients. It's managing a bloated team 
with ridiculous expenses and playing babysitter all the time. Yeah. Right? It's dealing with the sleepless nights of wondering, okay, what's going to break next? At the end of the day, the less plates you're spinning, the easier it is to keep them spinning. Yeah. And that's also where, you know how I was saying variety shouldn't be found in business if we want our business to have the best probability of thriving. Mm -hmm. I also think our significance should not come from our business either. Because if our significance is tied to being the best at what I do and, and all these things in my business, then inherently that usually creates a situation where we've got a genius with a thousand hands. And that's exhausting, right? Versus one of the best examples of business and entrepreneurship ever, taking out of account who he might've been as a person and what's happened down the road, believe me, Rockefeller written into his company's code of culture one of the most important things that I think is genius, he said it should be every man's moral prerogative that he replace himself in his role as soon as possible, mm -hmm. such that he has nothing but time to put his feet up on his desk and think about how to make standard more money. Yeah. And we can engineer space in our working environment. It gives us the opportunity to spot our own blind spots. And we actually can see the forest for the trees instead of getting lost in the day-to-day minutiae of trying to get stuff done to feel significant as if being busy is somehow a badge of honor. Yeah. This is me sounding preachy. It's really just me berating former me because I wish these were things that I actually understood earlier, right? So yeah. <laughs> if it lands for you, great. Take it, steal it. But it's really me talking to former me. Dude, all the bro scalers need to hear what you just said. Yeah. I'm just going to say it like that. I you know, that. yeah, because, it, you know, there's a place for what I would call hustle and meaning the effort, not mm -hmm. like, you know, I kind of grew up in the hood. So hustle has a few different meanings. Right. But <laughs> but, you know, there comes a point to where everybody spartans up. Right. And so, um, you know, you got to be careful about why you're justifying what you're doing. You know, because in the scenario that you just described, I think every every person arrives at some point in business to what you just described, although you just brilliantly you know, articulated it. I think a lot of people arrive there in different ways at different times and they but they don't quite know why, you know, mm -hmm. and I think you describing that way is really profound for a lot of people, because if the sooner you can become self-aware that that's usually the way that, you know, that most people who are, you know, quote unquote successful, at least in business operate the, the sooner you can try to figure out what you want, not what grant or what Rob want, wants, but what do you get out of this? Right? Like, like I'll just, I'll just make a quick example. You know, almost every single person comes in our coaching program. Like, what do you like, what's your goal with this? And it's usually, Oh, I need X amount of dollars per month to be mm -hmm. happy. Right. And while I understand that need it's like on the maslow's hierarchy pyramid that's that's like your most basic need is i need food on the table i need a roof over my head i need fuel in my car right mm -hmm. and so it's like okay cool but what happens after that and usually it's crickets mm -hmm. so once my basic needs are met and my family's basic needs are met then what next and usually nobody has a plan for that part yeah so what they keep doing is going oh i think you know I started an agency and I got to, like I saw a video on TikTok from this 18 year old, his words, not mine, who 
says SMMA is dead. So social media marketing agencies are dead. I got it to 30 grand a month, but it basically became a glorified job. And this guy's simultaneously posting his dream lifestyle while he's saying all this, right? So mm-hmm. he's on trips to tropical islands. He's got a high rise condo in like Chicago or something. He's partying, he's having a great time. And he's like, that thing's broken. So I'm gonna go into high ticket consulting instead or high uh high ticket creators what he said something like that and he's just jumping <laughs> from one thing to another and he's just going to be back right back in that same category of the the hierarchy for a while until he figures this that one out right mm-hmm. so he's skipping the the mechanics of the business jumping models and jumping niches and he's going to have to learn those mechanics again right which is like so badly what I want to say, is it sexy? No. Will he probably laugh at the comment if I commented? Yes. But one day he's going to realize that, right? And go, dude, I've been jumping from thing to thing to thing to thing. It feels like I'm treading water. That's that's literally how it usually ends up. I feel like I'm treading water. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know why I'm doing this anymore. You know what I mean? That That's usually the filling. Um, and, and so in, in my opinion, like, let's go back to just the math, right? Like, let's just say this is all you took away from this podcast today, right? If you kept something so stinking simple and you were working a model that had some element of scale behind it, meaning not just trading your time for money. If you just did those two things, I think that everybody on this podcast would go farther, probably faster, meaning in a year or more context, not like today or tomorrow. But if you gave yourself one year, three years, five years, and you operated on something that had a high efficiency rate and you didn't try to glop on a bunch of other, you know, things, Mm -hmm. and you just got the boring stuff done, no matter what it took, whether that was you, someone else, like I know some people can get through the boring stuff. I'm not that type. Doesn't sound like you are either, but but there's ways to fix that. You can fix out with software, by hiring people. Like there's a lot of ways to fix that problem. Yeah. But if you just did that and then all of a sudden you had time to actually live your life, right? Instead of like recording yourself living a lifestyle that has some amount of impermanence to it. Like what if you built something where like after a year, two years, three years, five years, it was put you on a trajectory to where you had both time and free and freedom, meaning like enough money to do whatever the heck you wanted. Like that is what entrepreneurs who figure it out do. And that's why they, in my opinion, when people say, this is why I started, you know, I started my business to spend more time with, with my kids. Like our mentor says this one a lot. Then why are you doing something that's diametrically opposed to that? Mm-hmm. Right. Why are you like shitting on your own ethics? You know, basically, sorry, that's my version of what he's saying. <laughs> but I think, I like it. yeah, it's like, you know, so I have kids, right? I have three kids and making their stuff, being present, like being around them, just spending time, not even like quality time, just time period, right? Mm-hmm. Like being there is largely important to me. It's like, uh, it, and that was the reason why I originally started my business. And so if I'm doing things and, and spinning more plates, stacking more inefficient systems, one on top of the other, those behaviors like like F your feelings about it, like whether you like doing them or not, just observe it as if you're not you. 
those things are diametrically opposed to me watching my kid kick his next goal in his soccer game. Mm-hmm. Like it's as simple as that. So if you're standing there in front of like a, in a objective judge, or if you were slightly elevated above yourself and you watched your own behavior, like are those things that you're doing really getting you closer to what you want? Right. And then the situation I just described, the answer is a clear no. So it's a struggle, man. It's really hard to get people to arrive at this sooner than, than they need to, because it often it's, it's very hard to conceptualize until you actually go through it in my experience. Right. So yeah. it's like just the way I it would, is, you know, if you're open to it, I think it might be valuable if we were to kind of break apart this concept of getting closer to what you want and, yeah. and how do we actually define what we, what we truly want? Because it's my assumption that many people are like myself and have made the same mistakes that I have, which is misattributing our own perception of our goals. All right. So arbitrarily picking, for example, an outcome because we've seen on the surface, maybe via social media or, you know, as close to in person, what someone else's life kind of looks like. And we assume, okay. I can have that life if I have this thing, or we just don't even go that far. And we say something like, I don't know, $10,000 a month, $20,000 a month. That probably would get me where I want to go. The reason why I would consider that so dangerous, even though it sounds innocent enough right there, right? Better to have a, a hazy goal than no goal at all is because the more people who are reliant on you, the more dangerous a lack of clarity becomes. And here's how I think about it. Imagine that we're in a room and the game we're playing is target shooting, right? So you got your little pew pew, right? And you got a target, okay? But you have a blindfold on in order to represent a lack of clarity. Now, with the blindfold on versus a blindfold off, clearly we're gonna have a better chance of achieving our outcome if we can see the target, right? If we have a blindfold on though, and we miss the target, is there really all that much risk aside from losing the game? Not so much. But now, introduce into the scenario where I'm wearing a blindfold, my wife, my kids, my clients, and my team members, all standing around that room with me, and I'm playing the same game, shooting blindfolded. Can we think about how much more risk that introduces into a situation? It goes from, all right, I either get what I want or I don't, to now every single person that is reliant on me to execute properly and hit the target, not them, is now in perilous danger. Mm. So this inherently grows as we get older in life and we develop more relationships. And it also inherently grows as our business does too. And we have a bigger client load and we have a bigger team load. We have like 15 full-time and then I think total 30 contractors and such that work within our business right now. Mm. Right? We have a large portfolio of clients. So that means our clarity needs to be crisp. Yeah. Otherwise we introduce risk and danger into other components and other people in our system. So if we want to grow, we need to know that that inherently grows our risk too. And so we have to be a lot more clear and make sure we're not shooting with a blindfold on. That's something that took me a long time to realize. And hopefully that way of thinking through it also helps other people. At the end of the day, Tony Robbins says, it doesn't matter how hard or fast you run. If you're going east, you won't catch the sunset. 
right? So clarity of intent and where we're going, vital. And also recognizing that the more complex something gets and the more things rely on it going well, the more the risk comes too. And this might not be what people want to hear, right? The growing a business is inherently going to be risky, but everything is. You can get hit by a car when you walk outside, right? It's just a fact of life. We've got to deal with it. But coming to that sobering reality, I think will really support people who have aspirations to grow and knowing that this is going to come. So be prepared for it because I'd rather know I got a boss to fight at the end of this stage. Then I get there unprepared, <laughs> no ammo left, and they come out of the blue, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and, and I think that, um, you know, a, a lot of people too sort of tend to think of those risks as like gimmies, right? But we're seeing now, you know, the culture in the United States, at least, of the, the workforce um, – and employment, like that game is changing big time, right? Mm -hmm. And so when, when you're adopting a new employee, it's almost like adopting a baby, like it's like a human life, right? Um, and so, you know, with that comes obligation and obligations, you know, require naturally, they require risk, right? Like there's times where as the entrepreneur, you have to jump on the grenade, and just take it in the nuts, <laughs> you know, whatever analogy you want to make. Um, yeah. But those people require care, you know, they require income benefits, like, you know, they require leadership, like all those things, right. And so I think a lot of people also forget that piece of it. And they, they are somewhat reckless about, um, you know, the obligation that comes with that, if, if like, you're a good human at all, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's examples of bad people out there who are just like, hey, this place is a mill and that's fine. But, you know, most people, 99.9% of people I talk to are like, they give a crap and they want to build something cool and like, you know, share the wins as they go. Um, and so, but but that's that's a huge piece of it. It's like last year I, um, I let our entire sales department go. People are like, you are freaking crazy. Like, do you see how much money you're leaving on the table? And I was like, well... Yeah, but like two things, like this tightens up our system like exponentially because of what we talked about before. Mm -hmm. And there's other ways for me to keep or grow that profit, the actual profit number, the most important number of an actual business um, without all that cost, complexity, overhead, obligation, et cetera. And I ended up doing that, right? So we let, I think it was like six people go. Um, it wasn't all at once. It wasn't like crazy or anything. It was no drama, like none of this stuff. And I worked hard to make sure um, those people got placed somewhere where they were not just thriving, but like exceeding the experience that we were having with me financially, leadership wise, like all that stuff. And that was important to me. You know, um, again, I'm not, this is not a high horse thing. It's just the way I chose to approach that situation. So now they're all doing even better than when they came to me. And when they came to me, they were doing even better than wherever they were before. Mm -hmm. I'm cool with that. I'm super cool with that. Right. Um, and, and I love to see them win, even though they're not financially benefiting me anymore. But there was also so much cost in the waste of having a system that big in our sales department that, you know, going back to what we're doing now, which is the way that I kind of started in this business, um, it feels so refreshing. Like, I don't go to bed stressing out about 
little things breaking, which adds up real fast, right? I don't freak out about if somebody's saying something stupid out there that exposes us to an inordinate amount of risk, mm-hmm. you know, and, and humans make mistakes. It's just part of the game. So you got to really be careful about what they say and why and like things like that, especially in a sales capacity, right? Can't be making promises that are willy nilly out there. It's just, you know, <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I really forced our messaging to be super clear. Like now it's so clear or else people don't buy. So I'm forced to, um, say it with some brevity, like our value proposition with brevity and clarity and the people who are attracted to that kind of thing sort of naturally work themselves into our ecosystem and, and end up doing business with us. And it also works as a filter, a pretty darn good filter of not trying to um, necessarily convince people, but just help them arrive at a decision before they even get to a point of sale. Yeah. And so that system, that little micro system has worked efficiently enough to where we've got more profit this year on a monthly basis than we had last year with way bigger numbers which is crazy props. Yeah. I mean, that's, but that's an example of what can be done and and why it's like, you know, so are those people that left better served? Yes. Are we helping fewer people be successful with the things that we provide? Mm, Yes. But you know, a lot of the people who like we've, we haven't had a refund request in like over a year, I don't think, you know, Um, you know, so it's just a, the the right fit people are like almost the only ones who are even seeing our offer. Like, so it's just that much more efficient. And we're also able to give more away for free for the people who maybe can't afford to pay us for our programs quite yet, but they still want help. We've been able to publish more free stuff to help them. Those people it just made it free for anybody. So if you've got an internet connection, we can help you. Right. Um, so in my mind, it's like a net positive big time. Um, but I really had to, it's like, you know, expanding and collapsing is exhausting. And so after this last one, I'm pretty sure I'm just going to keep our business real tight. There's a total of four of us now we've got, yeah, four, including me and a couple of vendors, but that's it. Wow. Yeah. Man. Pretty cool. Yeah. That's awesome. That's so cool. And I love that the culture as a whole seems to be moving more in that direction than back. Because, yeah, I've been in the space for a little over 10 years, online sales, entrepreneurship, coaching, education products and things like that. Right. So I absolutely remember, especially around like 2016, 2017, dude, if you had a if you had a 5% margin, sweet let's roll some more ads you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah <laughs> we're hiring every week just to try and have big enough top line numbers to impress the next person who then feels inadequate until i could possibly hit that because that must be the aspiration that's what mentor said right yeah and man the level of burnout that that just creates it's ridiculous Dude, i've got gray hairs i shouldn't have gray hairs i'm way too young for that but Dude, me too when they're done that and now yeah. You know, I, I typically refrain from talking too much about like, you know, me and here's here's what my life's like, because I don't typically find that, that that gives a whole lot of value to at least the people that I talk with. But like in in implementing just the couple things that we've talked about here and those being core driving principles for how we run our business, I'm 
our business will have zero issue, not only sustaining, but continuing to grow and serve more and be even more profitable considering I'm going out of town for a good six weeks. I mean, when I got married last year, we did a two and a half month honeymoon through Europe. No issue with the business, kept growing and doing well. And that's what's possible if you know what you're shooting for. Now, there are plenty of people out there who wouldn't want that, right? They love the work. And that's great. More power to you. You can have it. I don't want it. <laughs> I'd rather construct a system that that has leverage, right? But that's where knowing what we want before we start on the path is so important. Yeah. So how many years have you worked on constructing this? Like, can we go back to what you said before, which is, you said you alluded to the fact that maybe most people don't really know what they want. Like, how yeah. did you arrive at knowing what you want? Was that process like? Mm, I mean, trying a whole bunch of things that didn't serve me. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Done a lot of stupid stuff, man. And we're not past the statute of limitations on all of them. So <laughs> I'm limited, you know what I mean? But um I don't know. I, I just, but uh, at the same time, I'm, I'm kind of being, kind of being real about it. You know, when I talk about the scenario of risk, right? Being blindfolded and shooting in a room with all your people around you. Well, if you're, if you're young and there, you really have no dependence of anyone on you and it's just you doing a thing. I actually would advocate that it's really great to go out and just make a bunch of mistakes so you can buy down that ignorance tax faster. Yep. At the end of the day, we all have an ignorance tax that we're going to have to pay before we're able to, one, achieve the success that we want, and two, actually be able to retain it. I figured out how to achieve it way faster than I figured out how to retain it, which is where I was able to make plenty of money and then never have any left over. And that's where a lot of people end up, right? Yeah. And it's not all much better off than not knowing how to make money in the first place, yeah. but still a little better, right? There's stair steps to get there. As is typical with this little brain, I lost the track of the original question. Um, it's okay. Did, <laughs> so maybe tell us when you started off, when you were doing all the paying the ignorance tax, as you put it. Yeah. Did you, was it because you didn't have a clear vision of what you wanted it to look like? Because let's just say you didn't have any dependence. I don't know if that was the case for you, but oh, yeah, sure. It's like, you know, nobody depending on you. What was your, drive and how is that different than your goal picture today like your ideal outcome today i mean survival right paying bills <laughs> at the start how do i pay the bills right we i there are so many people that have grown up in exponentially harder situations than i did and i wouldn't consider myself to have had it easy a typical meal growing up was top ramen and if we got to put an egg in there sweet that's an awesome night Right. I was working a couple jobs in high school. Um, not everyone has the opportunity to, to need to do that and then develop skills early. Right. Yeah. Some people just have things a little bit easier. So that's not required. And then other people were doing it way sooner than me. But, you know, out of high school, I'm running a GNC and working 60 hours a week. I still wasn't able to fully afford everything that I needed. Right. I legitimately yeah. had my power shut off and everything spoil in my fridge one time in the middle of a snowstorm. Jeez. It's crazy because commissions yeah. didn't come out as high as I thought they were going to. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now, that's realistically just out of necessity what led me to trying to be creative in the first place and do some stuff, right? Things on the side, selling commodities, 
uh, to other people who likes to partake in commodities. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. And so realistically what it was, was just from a need base and then it was from a want base and then things grow. So my trajectory realistically took me from, you know, construction to grocery to, to then retail, where I was managing a couple different supplement stores in the fitness space. Cause I used to be obsessed. I can't tell now it was two thirty and 8%, man, it was, oh, <laughs> it was a time in my life. Gnarly. So, wow. Loved the fitness space, started a personal training business figured out how to do it online terribly. But then I ended up hiring a mentor and had no success for a while, learned some skills, did decently well with it, had my own personal training and nutrition consulting business online, right? Go from there to realize that, well, you know, I actually don't love this fitness space as much as I used to, but I'm kind of getting fascinated with this world of influence and sales and persuasion and thinking about follow the money. You know, if you know how to sell, Realistically, you'll never be out of a job. Yeah. Everyone always needs to sell their stuff in order to make money. So worse comes to worse, you find a product that someone's willing to pay you to sell. So I went all in on that. I started selling for various different businesses, their agencies and one-off and stuff like that. Did it for like five years. That was the point in my life where I was, I had figured out how to make great money and not keep a penny of it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not a bit. But that kept me in the flow of learning and training. So, you know, you develop your own ways of thinking about stuff. And when someone on the team goes, dude, how did you, how is your close rate that high? And you're like, well, I think about things that way. Oh my gosh. Can you teach me? Sure. Happens enough. You start to document your skill sets. And so to a point by demand, I got into sales management, recruiting and training. And that was great. I liked it until I didn't, but luckily um, some big losses in the crypto market inspired me to get back to work and do something meaningful. So thought through what is the biggest issue that all of the different businesses that I've had had dealt with, right? Or not just that I had, but that I worked with. It's on the payment collection front. You either get people that I can't afford it. All right, shoot, I'm screwed. Or you take a crazy elongated in-house payment plan and instead of being a coach or an agency owner, now all of a sudden you're a debt collector and you're yeah. spending the majority of your time dealing with people chasing payments, flipping cards, chargebacks, refunds, all that stuff keeps you from actually growing the business and serving people in the first place. And then frankly, just understanding that the industry as a whole, agencies and coaching predominantly, haven't caught up to the way our average consumers make all of our other high ticket purchases in our lives. A car, we don't think about, can I afford a $450, you know, $1,000 house? Say, can I swing a $2,300 a month mortgage? Mm -hmm. No one buys a Honda Accord for the $22,000 MSRP. Cash walks off the lot. Very few. Say, can I swing a $300 a month payment? And who do we know that paid for college in cash? We got student loans. Right? Because people buy on terms, not price. At the end of the day, if we are able to make terms work, then the price becomes largely irrelevant. And so that's where I figured, you know what? Because I never had a solution that was sufficient to meet my needs as a sales manager and a trainer, had to build it. Didn't pick the best time to do it. It was a way harder than it would have been had I done it a few years ago when banking and everything was just free, clear capital was completely you know, cheap and, and easy, but it was worth it and we made it through the hard period. And now, dude, wouldn't trade it for the world. Like, 
freaking love it. It's so much fun being able to help these businesses scale in a very similar way that I did before, but I don't have to charge a dime for it because we provide the payment processing solutions that enable them to take advantage of what we teach. So it's a win-win. And kind of like what you mentioned, right, where you scale back and you're more profitable so you can invest so much more in the free support. Well, with us, it used to cost an arm and a leg for me to come in, train, manage, help scale a sales team. Our team doesn't charge a dime for that as long as you are actually a merchant with our financing business. Because we want you to win. We only win when you do. Yeah. So I think what can people take from that? One, what is the best high leverage opportunity that I can possibly find that fits within not just what my current skill set is, but that I'm interested in enough to learn about it every day? Because mm -hmm. if you're interested enough in it to learn about it every day, eventually, given enough time and effort, you'll get good at it. So we don't need to start only from our limited skill sets now Two, follow the money, right? The higher that we can work our way up the money chain, the better we're going to be. Now that one, if it makes sense, you're the right person to hear it. If it doesn't, totally cool, move on. The other component is know what I want, right? So every stage of that, I had a different end goal in mind. And the more clear that I got on it, the easier it was to achieve that. And what started off as, shoot, I need to make sure that my power never gets shut off again. To now, I got to make sure our family and our team taken care of above all else. Yep. You know, we grow and change. This is not my final form. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Where it's not so far. Yeah, and and I think it's it's like, um, you know, what is that? What is that phrase? We reserve the right to get smarter every mm -hmm. day, right? Like we, we reserve the right to become better, smarter every day. And so, but the information that we have right now is the information that we have, right? Um, the skills that we have right now are the skills that we have. So, so yeah, it's like, I, there is some sort of like, um, skill building and information building and like, I would even say intuition building sort of skill sets that you accumulate along the way. And that makes you better over time. Um, but yeah, for me, going back to like my initial goals were always to eat, like literally eat, you know, I remember, <laughs> yeah, I wrote an IOU for a burrito and my wife's uh, ashtray, like none of us smoke, but there was just, you know, change in the ashtray in her car. And she went away. This is when we were still dating and I was dead broke. I was working two jobs and I still remember I like for two months before that, I couldn't find any work and um, I was sleeping in my friend's Renov mid renovation house that had no subfloor in it. So there was like rats crawling around in the beams below and the dirt and stuff plumbing. Dude. And I was sleeping in one of the rooms and I had like a camp stove for a, so it was like camping inside of a shell of a house basically. And she's like, I'm, you know, I'm going to go visit my parents and it's cross country and stuff, but why don't you use my car while I'm gone? And um, she knew I was like filling it up with like a dollar or two a day just to get to like get to work and stuff. So I was all stoked that when she got back, I'd have finally have some money, you know, so we could take, go out on a date night or whatever. And I finally get my bills paid. Uh, and I, I like missed the payroll period by like one day. So it was got pushed to the next two weeks out. And I was like, shit. So she had enough gas in the car for me to not need any gas. But I, I literally got to the day before my paycheck and I was like, I'm starving. I'm between gigs. I can't 
go home and make something and make ramen uh, or whatever I had, can of soup. And um, so I stopped at a taco shop to get a burrito and I literally wrote on it, I will pay you back when I get a paycheck. Like that was not that long ago, y'all. That was maybe 13 years ago, maybe, you know, or maybe 14. I don't know, something like that. Um, And so from there till now, what that looked like has changed, of course. But at the beginning, I was obsessed with paying the bills. And then once I got a you know, past that first rung of the hierarchy where I was like, okay, I have some margin, time and money margin. Now I can afford to be a little bit more strategic. Then I hired my first mentor and all that effort, like the sweat, the blood, sweat and tears part of it. Now I got put into like a soup, what felt like a supercharged vehicle. And that mm. was the model that my second agency ran on. And so we sold basically a system that got a specific outcome, high ticket, uh, versus trading time for money, my first agency, which burned and, you know, crashed and burned. Um, and that was my first taste of actual, like putting the pieces together and success. So it wasn't even until, and I was obsessed, I became obsessed with the, my, my whole point in telling you the story was I went from, I need my next meal to, um, and now I've got an, an excess, some, some sort of excess that was like a couple of year period. I want to say like two and a half, maybe three years. And then the next 21 months, once that second agency started, the moment that I had any excess, I was like, um, like, okay, I, I need to figure this out, right? Figure it out further, optimize it further. And I became mildly obsessed with monthly recurring revenue. Mm-hmm. When I sold that agency, um, that was right when high level was in their beta program. Um, they were in their beta, I think three or four months later, I sold that agency. Um, and at the time I had a $44,000 a month Scipio bill. Scipio's two-way business texting, if you don't know. It's it's a terrible tool. No one should sign up for it. <laughs> you Sorry, said $44,000 a month yeah. bill with them? Yeah, because we had hundreds of clients and it was 200 bucks a month per client. Oh, okay. And Got so it. we rolled that into our, <laughs> yeah, we rolled that into our package, our service package with them, with, with our clients. And so you know, high level came around and was like, yeah, why don't you keep all that money? You pay us $300 a month and you can charge your clients that the other 44 grand or minus 300. I'm like, uh, yeah, duh. (laughs) So unfortunately they were still in beta. They didn't even have a way to pay them to sign up. And we helped them sell that package. Like all my agency friends, I'm like, go to my next workshop. It's going to be gangster. Right. Every single person in the room signed up in beta. They had no way to pay them at the time. They had to go home and like 10 days later, they finally had a payment link set up. Um, But right about then is when I sold my agency and every single one of our fitness clients, as far as I knew for like the next three to six months, were still paying that money to Scipio. And that for me is when the light bulb went off and I was like, monthly recurring revenue. Whatever I'm putting my effort into next, is going to be so stackable that if I'm going to work hard for the next five years anyways, right, I'm going to put it into something where it incrementally gets better every single month because at a certain point, the compounding is going to outpace the work that I can, the active work that I can do to put into the business uh, each month, right? And Mm -hmm. that's exactly what ended up happening. You know, now we've got, I've got more monthly recurring revenue in a month than most people make in a year. And I don't have to do anything to keep it up. It's just... You know, of course, it's with a great product. High level is a fantastic product. Um, but, you know, doing that for five years, now I've got tons of options, very limited downside, a 
protected in so many ways. We've got a small team. We're helping just the people that we like helping. We're able to give more. And so that was, that was five, a little over five years ago is when we started with high level. So like, that's how quickly it can change. And now, you know, now it's like, like our goals is switch completely from survival, paying the bills, as you said, um, to like, how can we be good stewards of this overage that we've got? Right. So like, for example, we helped build a new brand new library at our kids lower school. Right. Mm. And that was a pretty penny, but it was freaking rad to do. And it's really cool to go in there and see the kids learning and enjoying it and, you know, having a very direct way to help them. Um, so we're able, that, that's just an example. I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you, like, it's so gratifying to be able to be like, okay, now, so, so in other words, now our outcome or our desired outcome or our goal is entirely different. So like 13 years later, it went from like, can I afford a burrito? Can I afford gas to get to work? Yes or no. Like that, it's like, that's my decision-making process. It's within minutes, like under an mm -hmm. hour, right? Like, how do I make this happen? And now we just made a decision for something that will be at that school for probably 50 years. Well, right? it's, you know, Rob, it's a, one of the things that I love about you, I just want to call attention to it because this, I think, is a huge problem that if people were to understand, you referenced not long ago, about 15 years. And then you said, yeah, it was about five years ago. Happens really quick. Right. And so many of us get caught in. I did this yesterday. Why don't I have it today? Yes. Because we completely have just a grotesquely inappropriate assumption of how long it takes to build something properly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. I mean, we totally overestimate what's possible to accomplish in a day and dramatically underestimate what's possible to accomplish in a year. And I know there are people listening to that right now going, well, yeah, duh, cliche. But yeah. then we don't actually act in accordance with it. And you have a long-term time horizon. And that's why you're able to make decisions like this that will pay off long-term, that don't leave you chasing your tail like the majority of us do. I think that's huge. So I just want to call attention to that. And that's one of the things that I really appreciate about you. And I have since the first time that we had a chance to meet in whatever random crypto discord <laughs> channel it was, Mr. Rob Burrito. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Don't look me up. I'm terrible at crypto. I uh, lost my ass. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <so did> I. <laughs> yeah. But um, no, it's and it's I think the thing to 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 know about that is um like I've, I have the benefit of having seen both sides, mm -hmm. right? And and it's not, neither one of them is theoretical. Like you talked about the way that you grew up. I grew up very similar. Um, you know, my family was a military family. Um, I grew up in San Diego, but everybody else in my family is like from the deep South, relatively poor, you know, like that whole story. Like I remember going to Thanksgiving in Texas and my, um, my grandparents on my dad's side would have these like meal trays. They almost look like cafeteria trays. And they have little sections like, you know, little kids dishes have now uh, when you're feeding a baby or something. And I was like, man, that's wild. That looks like my cafeteria lunch tray. And it wasn't until like a couple months ago, I'm on a group text thread with my, my dad's oldest brother. So he's the oldest of the six kids. 
he was like, that was for portion control. I was like, I remember two things. The, uh, the last supper tapestry, you know, God looking down on you while you're eating. Cause they're Catholic. And I remember the, the trays and he, he was, he made a joke about the tapestry, which was hilarious. Cause you know, they were pretty Catholic and, uh, and, but he was like, that was for portion control, meaning so that everybody could get some, some food. Right. Wow. And that was my grandparents, you know, like, it, again, that's not that long ago either. Right. Mm-mm. And so, um, I, I've seen all that. I've lived it, you know, through my childhood and all that good stuff. Um, and now we're relatively wealthy by any measure of like, if you apply that to the masses in the U S like we are wealthy for sure. Mm-hmm. Right. But but the thing to know about it and the thing that, you know, when you hear people talk about like why the United States is great and how anybody can make it and like all that stuff, it's like, yeah, you can, you just have to have a longer term vision than this month mm-hmm. or this week or, or today. And, and you have to like be able to lick your chops as you go and be able to sacrifice a little bit. You know, it's why like I grew up with a lot of friends who were, came from immigrant families and they all did fairly well because they constantly delayed gratif- uh, gratification, you know, like there was kids whose parents started a donut shop, uh, Italian food place, you know, a lot of blue collar type businesses. Um, and they all did fairly well because they, they started early. They were consistent, you know, for naming all the things that I can observe and they delayed their gratification for as long as possible. And now they live like real, you know, relatively good, comfortable lifestyles, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it might, it's, you know, some people, if you're starting now, it might sound like 13 years is a long time, but it's going to happen anyway. You may as well do something that gets you closer to what you want instead of letting that time pass anyway and being like, shit, I'm still, I, I still feel like I'm treading water. To me, it's like, it's going to be hard work either way. Pick your poison. For Choose me. Your- yeah, exactly. Like you get one at bad at life, right? It's just like, I don't know. I'm not getting any younger. I'm about to be 45. I feel like I'm about to be 60 in some ways. And in other ways, I still feel like I'm a teenager, you know, but the time is going to pass either way. I also credit a lot of it, this self-awareness, which you probably know about me to like having kids, you know, I mean, when you see how quickly time goes by from the time that they're little, like my oldest is 10 now, but really goes to show you like when he was born, like I was bringing home almost no money. It was like two grand a, a month, I think from our agency when he was born, you know, and now that's like, it's not even close how far we've come. And, and like, he doesn't remember any of that. Of course, he just remembers having a beautiful <laughs> sort of upbringing. And, um, and, and I'm proud to have like provided that to him w- along with my wife, but you know, if we had been back there now, his existence would be a very different existence, mm-hmm. you know? And so when you think about 10 years passing, does that sound like a lot? Well, kind of is, but certainly you can make a dent in five years and some people do it in three years, two years would be kind of fast. And one year, you know, that would be like super fast to make life changing money that stays right. Mm-hmm. Creating a business. But I, I mean, I, I, I got off on a little bit of a tangent, but that's, that's, I'm trying to explain to you why I feel like I've got this perspective that it has happened relatively fast, but it's also been painfully slow. If I think back to the old version of me, 
that sounds painful to me because I was just so hand to mouth for so long. Right. It's just like, you got to find a way to work through that part, you know, however you can. Well, we all know the statistics on lottery winners, right? Majority end up broke. Why is that? It's exactly akin to what you're talking about there, which is why I say, you know, I believe in the concept of the ignorance tax. We all need to buy down as soon as we possibly can, because there's a big difference between learning how to make and learning how to keep and then learning how to multiply. And when we make too quick and our character doesn't have a chance to catch up, it slips through our fingers. Right. So at the end of the day, as much as we would all love to get rich fast, I would rather keep what I've got and be able to multiply it long term because that is where anxiety goes away. (laughs) And so that requires character development. So the sooner and the faster you can do the uncomfortable, boring, repetitive things to develop the character, right? And the way I define that is sticking to a decision long past the time in which the emotional state that we made that in has passed. So it's easy and fun to be like, wow, sounds great. I want to do this. This is exciting. But character is continuing with that decision when it's no longer exciting, right? So if we can develop that character that we can actually hold on to what we've been able to create, that's where you end up in a position like you or like where we're at now, where we don't worry and we get to play the game for fun. But it's not like it starts off fun. (laughs) Not at all. But one of my prior mentors that I love, biggest thing I took from him was when he hit, when he said this to me, it hit like a ton of bricks. He said, the discomfort of transformation fades far faster than the pain of regret. And like you mentioned, the time's going to pass anyway. It's what we do with the time that we've got in the meantime that makes it worthwhile, that gives us ultimately our outcomes. So if one day you're going to be old and you're going to die, how would you like the time in between to look? Indeed, bro. Indeed. Hold that thought one second, man. One sec. Yep. I'm holding it. Give me an opportunity to crack another cold one. Yeah, attaboy. Um, yeah, sorry about that. I, that. Someone was ringing the doorbell in our co-working space, like over and over. <laughs> I'm like, is this an emergency? Uh, I love that. Yeah. Dude, I am obsessed with these, by the way. Completely tangent. It's called Spindrift. And it's yeah. just 
carbonated water and a little bit of fruit, but this tea one specifically, I crank through like a half a case a day. <laughs> Someone funny. told me about those and bought me some actually. So they're in my fridge at home Yeah, and I can't wait to taste. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm off the booze right now. So I've been chugging liquid deaths, which are nice. These are dope. They're like 20 calories and just carbonated water with a tiny bit of flavor, like fruit flavor in them. They're good. Dude. It's crazy, man. I, this stupid whoop yells at me every time I enjoy a few whiskeys. And so I don't even get to drink the good stuff anymore because this, then I got to deal with it sending me alerts all day. Like you have sleep debt, your, your, your HRV dropped by 50%. Holy Come on. crap. Yeah. So the novelty, oh man, I could show you the graph. It's hilarious. Cause I've got like a, a baseline about 70 HRV. And then we go out with some friends, do a housewarming, and you know we're having good tequila all night and yep. two in the morning. Blah blah blah. Long story short, I wake up and it's like <laughs> my recovery goes from ninety eight percent. It was like five percent. My HRV is like twenty. <laughs> I got zero REM sleep, oh, and so now I've got this stupid little thing yelling at me all the time. I got to make better decisions. Got to love yeah. that. Yeah, so spin drinks, guys. That's the that's the ticket. It's the key. Yeah. Um, I've I've got a lot of friends who've moved over to like the lightly flavored carbonated beverages. Um yep. it's a thing. It, I mean it's there's worse things for you, that that's for sure. Right. You just gotta be aware of those microplastics, all those the the PFAS and the phytoestrogens. That's the thing. We used to love Topo Chico. Yeah. Hey, I spent time in the, the fitness space, so Topo Chico. So the allowable amount of these particulates, I forget the exact numbers. So I, I'm going to paint the picture with like ratios. It's basically mm -hmm. like 0 0.005 is decent, right? The reason I tried spin drifts in the first place, because it's like 0 0.0001. Topo Chico, which we loved, that used to be our favorite thing when we were doing like, you know, no alcohol month or whatever. Dude, it's like, 0.5 <laughs> it's so bad so wow. look them up before you decide which one you want to start pounding because if you get to be like me and you're doing half a case a day you know adds up it adds up yeah what what do you what's the the word to look up sorry phytochemicals um, pfas um or or um i'm forgetting the just look up pfas because it has to do with the liner as well as like the packaging process. So, okay. Got it, got it. At the end of the day, everything's going to kill us at, at one point, but you know, yeah. we do what we can with what we got. Exactly. Exactly. Right on, man. Well, uh, anything else you want to jam on before we let you go? I, I appreciate your time. It's been like over an hour and I'm like, I could talk about this stuff all day, but, um, <laughs> dude, I, it, this is, this is why I started the podcast. This is like, you dropped some bombs, man. This is awesome. You know, we have a little bit of fun. Yeah. A little bit of fun. Yeah. Um, I'm curious to know from you because, as with anything, you know, the feedback loop with your user base is vital. And I yeah. like working with people that have big brains like you. So, in terms of your experience with implementing alternative methods of transacting with customers, like with us, for example, with free life funding, and then also mm -hmm. starting to use our finish line finance outsourced finisher department uh, business. What kind of things have you, you know, picked up on in the marketplace, thoughts, feedback, perspectives, 
mm-hmm. the way you see the industry going. I've got my opinions, right? I already voiced them, but curious. Yeah. For you. So I would say this, that, you know, th- this is, so let, let me just give you a little bit of context before I tell you what, what my true thoughts are because, and I'm happy to share them. There's, there's nothing to hide around it. I don't think, um, but I think that, so this, about this time last year, I like, I, I was getting tired of just selling people courses, like selling people information. Mm-hmm. Um, so another one of my obsessions along with monthly recurring revenue was, was consumption rates. Like I know that, you probably aren't supposed to care because that's what like learning institutions do, right? Meaning like if the completion rate of your college course is like 0.1% to 1%, like they're like, yeah, we'll still take your money. Yeah, you can still get out there and just have all this debt and not have a job. Like I actually give a shit, you know? And so <laughs> it's it's really a problem. Like in fact, um, well, I don't want to go down another tangent, but there, I'm learning more about the reason about why I care so much about it, right? Um, and it has has to do with, um, you know, some some traits. Some people might consider me an empath, I guess, like something or some version of an empath. Uh, and so I'm still kind of trying to figure that part out. Um, but I have, you know, yeah, I'm a caveman. Yeah, I lift weights and drink protein shakes and shit. But I feel very like I'm fairly sensitive to the way that people feel, you know, Mm. and what the emotions they're going through are very easy for me to like tune into. Um, And, you know, I've, I've been broke before. I know what that feels like. And, and so, and I know what desperation feels like, and I know how it feels to have people in your life that are like, if you've ever seen athletes talk about this, how they're tired because everybody's, wants a piece of them or drags them down. And like, you know, you, you explain sort of like, okay, they, you know, this phenomenon where they're all of a sudden have all this money seemingly out of nowhere in their life. Um, you know, that there, there are a lot of things about that that are very, very real, you know, um, because not everybody's on the same journey as that person. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, when I'm talking to some, let's just, let me just paint a quick picture. When I'm talking to someone or a salesperson of mine was talking to someone and they're like, I want to do this. Like, can I get this result from the course? It's like, no, no, you can't. That's not how this works. You're going to build a skill. If you put in the work from the course, you're going to build a skill to get hopefully an outcome that is, is close or close to, or exactly what you described, but by the numbers, right? Very few people do that. So you have to look at it as an investment of your education. Approach. <laughs> yeah. Like that was refreshing. It, well, and, and, and we would show that like we have a program that's highly implementation based, meaning like if you just go through these steps in about one hour, you'll have something you can go out there and sell right away and it works. It just does. Yeah. Right. But in fact, like I could take almost any business on the planet and walk in and get them results. Like, it's just, you know, so that part of it, I'm very confident in the X factor is the person, (laughs) like it's not the system, you know? So, so I'm like this, this almost has everything entirely to do with you. And then usually what comes out of somebody's mouth is, oh, I'll I'll bet on me all day. And it's like, really? 
like, tell me one instance where you've bet on yourself. And so I'm just, I'm giving you like the, the tough love that I would give people before I would let them in my program. And this doesn't sell well, by the way. So if you're looking to have a 90% close rate, this isn't what you say, right? But it is how you get no refunds over the course of the last year. There you go. Choose, pick your poison. Yeah. And so I, I kind of almost like try to talk them out of it and be very real about it. And then that hopefully that polarizes them in a in a healthy way to a yes or a no. Like I'm not mm-hmm. going to leave having be a maybe. Like, you know, I don't close maybes. I'm like, that's a no to me. But I need for you to get on board and be like, yeah, that's a fucking no. Right? Mm-hmm. Like you just haven't said it yet. You haven't admitted it to yourself that it's a no. Right? Like you have enough information. You know all this stuff. But but from what I'm hearing from you, it's a no. Can we just like get there already together, you know? And here's why I'm seeing all that. So yeah, come back later. It's cool, right? I'm not going anywhere. But the reason why I stopped selling courses that way was because um, most people needed to have me or somebody grab them by the nostrils and pull them to where they could believe that they could do this stuff and that it was worth stopping and putting the time in to have just a tiny bit of focus to get this off the ground. Once we got them their first win and their confidence shot through the roof, largely they were on the, they were off to the races. Mm -hmm. Right. So my whole thing was like, okay, after selling X amount of courses, like thousands and thousands of courses um, to people, we've noticed what, what that, moment in time is where 99.9% of people are like, got it, Rob, totally worth it. I'm out. Like I'm, I'm going off on my own. I'm innovating on it. I'm helping hundreds of clients, whatever it is. Right. So we knew exactly what that moment was. And I said to myself, I'm like, look guys, I don't, you know, I don't want you guys to be writing and saying, Hey, I didn't do anything with this. Can I have my money back? Uh, Rob, your team is great, but it just didn't work out for me for X, Y, and Z. I'm like, look, you didn't even do this stuff. Right. Like you didn't even spend one hour to get to that first activation point. And so I kind of don't want to hear it too, is the other part of it. It's like, if you're not willing to invest one hour of focus into your business, there's literally nothing I can do to help you. Like nothing. Right. So, so this might sound like I'm being a little bit of a dick and that's okay. Because what I did then was I said, we're not going to do that anymore. We're not going to have salespeople anymore to close people on the fence, which is just a, was kind of a cover up for the reality of like that person probably shouldn't have been in here in the first place. You just didn't help them arrive there. You know, salespeople are going to do what's financially motivating to them largely, even though our guys were pretty good. Um, so I turned it into an implementation program, raised the price and said, Hey, if you're going to come in, you're going to need my team's help. I'm no longer making this an option where you can just buy the course. And that pissed some people off. Right. Because they're like, oh, but you're taking away that lower price option. Why would you do that? It's like, because I know you <laughs> better than you know yourself. <laughs> and and I can tell with, within just a few questions whether you're going to freaking do anything with this or not. And you're going to need a team's help to get this done. Right. Yeah. You just are. So, you know, if if I truly care about your success, I know that if you hit this first activation point, that that'll kick things off. And then typically people need a little bit of help after that too, to just really get their ducks in a row and, you know, scale it up and things like that. Um, but do it in a way where you're not going to blow yourself up. And so once I changed, changed it to that, um, I'd made the decision to do that already. That's when I started getting like 
that's when a little bit of an economy scare was sort of happening around this time last year. I don't know how many people are really familiar with that, but you know, people started freaking out a little bit. And so people that we hadn't talked to in years were like asking for refunds, um, asking for chargebacks. These are people who posted that they got wins from our program. Like I just, I just got an email from a guy another day. He's like, I feel totally scammed by you. And I'm like, I'm looking at your Facebook page right now from a year ago. And you're, our system got you all these wins, like six wins, good ones too, you know, with clients where they're on video talking about your win. Like, what are you talking about? I'm here talking to you. Why do you feel like I am a scam? You know, or he's like, and it was everything else in the world that it was his problem. I'm like, this is why I don't sell courses anymore, man. Right. Yeah. And so, so for those of you that are um, hearing this, if you've ever tried to help people at this scale, it is very difficult to get people to move, like very difficult. And, and so the, the reason why I'm telling you all this is because once we um, increased our price, two things happened. I said, okay, we're going to help people who are good to perfect fit people only. We'll give all these resources away to people who are free who are just not ready for yet for it yet. They should be happy with that. I can tell them all the reasons why they should be versus taking their money from a course. I can handle that part. Right. But two things happened. First thing was the people that started to come in and got results were like exponentially served and exponentially uh, did exponentially better. And I think the reason for that is because I was able to put more resources into fewer people. So you talked about that a little bit at the beginning of this podcast, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but we were no longer accounting for all these different scenarios. We were accounting for a, a smaller number of scenarios that we got better at um, helping, better at improving with our clients very quickly. So that was the first thing that happened. The second thing that happened was the price objection started to go away because the bulk of those people got in on some sort of plan, right? And for me, that was a light bulb moment. And you already talked about the reasons why, but a lot of people buy on terms. I was not using that to my advantage. I was previously, I was just sort of saying like, you get a discount if you pay in full, if we have to split up into payments, it's a little bit higher. But even then we were charging like a much higher amount. So we'd split it into like a three pay or four pay, mm -hmm. um, almost like a short term retainer if you were an agency. And the reason why this is important, I think, and applicable to everybody is because once we figured out that um, that if people got in and they were a good fit, right, meaning they were an actual business owner, not someone looking at 12 other opportunities and not willing to put in the work, if they're an actually actual agency owner or they're able to focus on being an actual agency owner, um, after that first win, they were at break even or better, meaning they had to get one client or less or bolt on our serv the service that we teach them how to provide with one client or less to break even on that payment with us. And that's even at the bottom of the pricing structure we recommend that they charge. So the absolute minimum is we drag them to one client and they're already in the profit, right? Yep. Now to a lot of you that might sound, sound like, duh, okay, but I was not regularly putting that into practice. So what was happening previously, just to contrast the two, is okay, you get into my high ticket coaching program, and you've got this team full of people that I pay six figures a year to and, you know, all these experts, like all this stuff, these crazy motherfuckers who like are so much better at some of these things than I am. Like my tech guy is amazing. My product developer is, you know, a genius. My GM Betsy has done like eight figures worth of uh, 
sales generated from ads, which is great at operations and client management and stuff like that. Uh, Nick Robbins is our sales coach. He sold over 15 million bucks in agency services to local businesses himself. And he's just a G he's like so good at all this stuff. Right? So all these people, if you went out and tried to source them yourself would be like multiple six figures. Right? So in my mind, I said, Hey, it should feel like a deal to get in for on a split pay of like a thousand, two thousand, three, three thousand bucks. But in people's head, it was, I have all this pressure put on me now to sell three thousand, four thousand, five thousand bucks. And so it went back to that hunger mode thing, like the, the scarcity mindset and the desperation, I think. Right. So this might sound counterintuitive, but by, lowering the obligation and almost it got it almost to zero you know it, it feels like hey i if i give myself a month and i don't sell a, a client it's not even that big of a deal because the payment's so low right and the the timeline that they're giving themselves is so much longer that that they can relax a little bit and so mm-hmm. what it's almost like a psychological effect where the folks who are getting in are like oh i gotta win that was well worth it oh you know what I'm relaxed and I'm following the system and I'm following a plan, you know, and I'm focusing for God forbid three weeks. And and now I've got win after win after win. And now what's starting to happen is some of the people that have been on our program for like three or four months, those wins are happening like daily, weekly, and they're starting to stack up. Right. So in other words, they've pulled away from the payment being an issue by a mile and now they've got options. They can pay the whole thing off. They can pay it down in chunks. They can keep that, minimum payment and just to keep their company's cash flow high. But we got out of that weird middle zone where it was like, in my mind, still super worth it. But in their mind, it felt like just enough pressure to not change their behavior pattern. I think, Mm. does that make sense? Yep. Like to use your analogy um, and this, you know, think about it. If you're an agency owner, think about this for a business owner too. Like if you sell a thousand dollar a month thing, and you want the client to try it for a year, like say, hey, give us a year. That's a long time to indoctrinate someone, right? Well, instead of asking for the 12 grand up front, if you got it financed through a company like Grants or someone else's, and it was like hundreds, like, I don't know how much that would even be. It wouldn't be that much. I think, I don't know, $100, $200 a month, something like that. Mm-hmm. And just be like, hey, we're going to get it funded for you. I, You know, if you make one sale in your first month, you're covering the payment. I can get that to you probably tomorrow, if not the next day. Okay. That's what we're looking at here. So that completely takes all the pressure off of you and of them. Right. That's kind of like what it would be like. Right. Versus if you went like, just again, to make an example, if you wanted to buy a car and they were like, yeah, we'll split that into payments for you. Right. That $22,000 thing or that $10,000 car, whatever. But the first payment's going to be 3000 bucks in 30 days. You'd be like, shit, man, I hope my commissions come through from my GNC job. Like, <laughs> that's yeah. kind of a big, you know? Yep. Um, and so I think your analogy is an accurate one on that. Like, uh, you know, so all that to say, and, and this is a bit of a, I don't want to call it a masterclass, but it's a good exercise on pricing psychology that anybody can use, especially if you sell something with high margins, there's absolutely no reason why you should, should be afraid to work with something, uh, somebody like Grant or a product like Free Life Fundings, because 
you as the business owner get what you need to, so I have to pay my team and, you know, pay for resources and pay for softwares and like all kinds of fun stuff, pay for vendors. So I got to pay the bills myself in order to provide this awesome help that these people get. But for them, they, it's like a micro payment almost. And so they don't feel it hardly at all. Right. Um, so it's kind of the best of both worlds, in my opinion. Um, there's trade-offs, there always are, but in my mind, that having the, those two things, meaning the the quality of the person has gone up and the um, like driving the risk down for them, it's just created this awesome, nice, big, beautiful gap where we have now have the time and space to actually work with the client to get them the results that they're after, which is the ultimate goal. It's the reason why two entities like that should be working together in the first place. I, yep. I don't know. Did that answer your question? Yeah, I appreciate the perspective. So here's a really simple way that I would invite listeners to think about this. Mm-hmm. As a business owner, what's our preferred situation? Do we get paid up front in full, mm-hmm. right? A bird in the hand, it's worth two in the bush. There was a reason that saying is so popular. Mm-hmm. Now, what do our clients want? I would prefer to have a very low out-of-pocket cash outlay in order to get the things that I want. Mm -hmm. So those two things are diametrically opposed until you work with a company like us. We are the bridge that allows both parties to have the best of both worlds, where a customer has low monthly payment terms, allowing them to reallocate saved cash flow back to the growth of their business or their alternative priorities. Mm -hmm. While you as a business owner are able to get paid in full upfront to protect your margins, pay out your staff, your fulfillment costs, et cetera, and not have to worry about being a debt collector, chasing down payments, or operating under thin margins until months down the road, you're ROI positive. So here's the thing. The chances though of you, the listener right now, utilizing our services are probably lower than the chances of you getting paid a lot of money by being an authorized dealer with us. And the reason why I bring that up is because certain agencies just have a challenge sometimes with selling a bulk commitment. Can it be done? Absolutely. We have many merchants that do a fantastic job with it. But here's the thing. Our average company that we work with right now sees about a 215% increase in sales. And those industries include dental and home improvement. And so if you're an agency that works with home services businesses like HVAC, chimney repair, general contracting, where you work with dental practices or alternative medicine practices, how do you get paid long term? Well, you keep your clients because they get good results. If you think your clients might stick with you longer If as part of working with you, their sales increase by an average of 215%, then here's what I'd like to do. Reach out to us, have a call with one of our team members um, at freelifefunding.com and we'll get to know you. And if it makes sense, we'll bring you on as an authorized dealer. So you can set up your clients, costs you nothing, costs them nothing, set up your clients to be able to offer better payment terms to their customers. So then you benefit directly from that relationship. I just want to make it available because we're now putting a lot of money into paid media. We're going to get the accounts regardless, but I would rather pay you than Mark Zuckerberg candidly. So I just want to throw it out there. 
I know it's a shameless plug, but I wish this was something that had existed when I was running sales teams. So I didn't have to go through the headache of building it. It didn't. So I had to, and I'd like to save you the time. So that's my spiel. Would love to chat with you. It's freelifefunding.com. And you can thank Rob for introducing you. And I thank you, Rob, for giving me the opportunity to make the introduction. Of course, man. Of course. Happy to. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of business today is about the who, not the how or the why. It, meaning like the people that you do business with, I think are, is um, the the people that you do business with are, are almost more important than the what or the how. And so um, if that sounds of interest to any of you at all, I've been working with Grant, I think like for over a year now, um, I've known him for longer than that. And so I think that it's, um, you know, him and his entire team have been amazing. Um, some of you have come into our program, you know, the few of you that, that are listening that have come into our program, you probably talk to somebody either, you know, directly or indirectly with, with his team. So um, really thrilled with uh, every, like everything that we've done with them has been above board, squeaky clean. That's the only way I'll do any of that. So it's, there's literally no, none of that icky, slimy, you know, used car salesman <laughs> feel with some, <laughs> some sales organizations or financing companies. Um, I've tried a lot of them too, guys. Uh, that's, that's another reason. Like I don't have many people like Grant to go to where I can say that, right. I've tried dozens to, just to be transparent. Um, most of them are, not like this, <laughs> put it that way, <laughs> trying to be nice, <laughs> but, um, <You're> so <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's just, it's just like anything else in life. Like if you could find good people, it's, it's one of the reasons why I started this podcast was so that, you know, it's a little bit, I take it for granted sometimes how, how awesome the relationships that I built are. Um, and I think it's one of the things that I can do to give back to people. Um, you know, it's another one of those free things I can do now more. Right. And so why not do it? If it helps your business and you know um it, it's uh there's alignment there reach out to grant if not no big deal hopefully he drops some awesome nuggets and uh if you guys like that stuff drop a comment let me know i i think there were some hot damn nuggets in there like i need to find a little catchphrase or something not to make it too cheesy but damn there the, were some good ones in there man I'm so happy for, to start this podcast for future guests that actually share valuable worthwhile things to hear right do the Bradley thing with the drop in bombs. You ever see that? I love that. <laughs> yeah, totally. We need, yeah. We need like a sound machine or something like a, anyways, <laughs> cool, man. Well, thank you so much for, for dropping uh, all the knowledge, all the nuggets and um, be safe on your, your trip coming up. I know you're traveling for like six weeks or something. It's so cool. Um, I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank let you. us know how that goes. Come back safe and sound, of course, but uh, let us know when you're in Georgia too. I'm in Alabama. I'm right next door. It's not that far. So if you guys uh, yeah, want to hang ever or, uh, or over our way, let me know. And uh, we'd love to hang out with you, brother. Great. Thanks again for having me on. This was fun. I of course, buddy. It. Yep, you got it, man. Talk soon. All right. Bye-bye.